Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Sage, uh, I've got a stat for you. I'm sure you're surprised that I've got a stat for you to start the show. The combined record of Minnesota Vikings opponents in wins is 21-49-1. The combined record of opponent in Minnesota Vikings losses is 42-18. and They have beaten the bad teams and lost to the good teams, Sage. And going back to week one, I believe our first podcast, as we were doing uh, probably some sort of preview of the season, what's going to happen? I believe I said... I think this is actually a nine and seven, maybe 10 and six ball club. Uh, and I think even as low as like they could win seven games this year. You gotta realize two years ago, this is a team, uh, that went eight and eight. They had no offensive line. Then all of a sudden a year ago, Case Keenum comes in, uh, a few breaks go their way, plays, uh, Case, uh, plays out of his, uh, rear end. Uh, they have a really good running game, a coordinator that everybody loved. And a lot of those things are gone. Obviously, the coordinator's gone. The quarterback's gone. Uh, the old line coach is gone. New quarterback, new coordinator. And, you know, the ball sometimes bounces the other way. And here we are We are sitting. And at, at the end of the day, it seems like to me and probably to most Vikings fans, I think this is a, an average to above average ball club. They will beat the bad teams because they have a lot of good players. Uh, and their defense does really well against bad offenses. Uh, and, but against the good teams, the elite NFL teams, they just can't stack up, whether it's, you know, maybe not quite good enough players or, you know, maybe it's some that's coaching or whatever it is. It's quarterback play. Obviously, O line play is a, is a huge, huge problem right now. Uh, but it doesn't seem like those guys are going to help out either. So let's, let's go back to that. The expectations part of this, I, I think, is really big for how people are looking at this season because I was with you. I, I picked them to go 10 and 6. And I looked at it the same way as, you know what, you're going to have some more injuries on the defensive side probably than last year, and we've seen that play out. Trey Wayne's hurt yesterday. Xavier Rhodes has been in and out. Uh, Anderson Deho out for the year, though. Anthony Harris has played really well. Um, a few things not bouncing their way. The turnovers, the fumbles. Last year, Case Keenum fumbled one time. 
once one lost fumble. I mean, how do oh, you? Oh, and let's say you know? let's say that Aaron Rodgers, or at least we thought Aaron Rodgers, you know, he got hurt last year. Right. So that's you know that's that's Vikings wins there that you probably wouldn't get this year. Of course, the Packers think this year, but uh, yeah, there are a number of reasons. Number of reasons that uh, uh, sometimes the ball the ball just bounces in the other direction, and it's hard to regularly win eleven, twelve. 13, 14 games. And, and what we saw yesterday was the difference between what's been going on in New England for the last 16, 17 years and where the Vikings are. We saw it yesterday. And uh, the quarterback, the precision, uh, the quarterback getting the ball out of his hands, uh, defense making the key plays, um, them finding the right matchups, um, you know, them finding an elite receiver in the middle for, for, for peanuts that, you know, looks like a Julio Jones sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the difference between those two organizations yesterday. I thought it was, it was, a, it was a great game to watch and, and analyze if you're a Vikings fan. So I guess the, the question before we sort of dive into some of the things from yesterday is like, was it really ridiculous to call it Super Bowl or bust? And I kind of think, yeah, maybe it was because the writing was on the wall, especially when they did not significantly upgrade the offensive line. Uh, and you know, when you change offensive coordinators, you just don't know how that's going to play out. And Case was a wizard last year by the helping out of that offensive line. I thought he and was then three years ago. It was Teddy Bridgewater, and then Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, and it was Sam Bradford. Oh wait, look, quarterback that's not that mobile. Mm-hmm. Good pocket passer, not that mobile. The old line looks terrible. They can't run the football, and they have to throw everything quick. Right, the safeties are uptight. No one's worried about throwing the ball deep, and then. This happens again. We have a, a quarterback that's not as uh, athletic, and the old line's just as bad. And uh, you know, it's it's, it's the, the the offense is you know I don't know it's 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 not good. I tell you that. We'll we'll talk about the third and long situations. Uh, I'm sure later in the podcast. So to your point about throwing the ball down the field, throws over ten yards for Kirk Cousins, one for seven for twenty three yards, and that was a, the one throw at the end of the half to Kyle Rudolph. That was the only completion that traveled more than 10, uh, 10 yards in the air. But at the same time, it seems like Cousins is holding the ball in the pocket on seven-step drops. Yeah, it does. And he's holding it, it, and he's holding it, and he's looking down the field. And it's like, get the ball out of your hands. Tom Brady last night, he was getting pressure on him, and then he, boom, like, boom, balls out on a running back on a quick angle route uh, or a slant or whatever. Uh, you know, shallow cross. There was guys getting open early so he could get the ball out of his hands. And, you know, our quarterback is back there hanging on to it. And my guess is that he's being told, like, try to, unless, you know, Cousins needs to have a different view. Like, hey, you know, I know it says number one, you're looking to dagger out 20 yards deep. Look for that shallow route. Get the ball out of your hands. Uh, and maybe he's not doing that. So that's interesting because I thought yesterday, and Kirk Cousins kind of confirmed this after the game that Belichick didn't show him things pre-snap. And I think that's where Cousins is really good at diagnosing where he wants to go with the ball before he even snaps it. But when they were standing up everybody and maybe not showing as much as some other teams do, that he struggled. And that's why he was kind of sitting in the pocket, sitting in the pocket. And this is something that we've seen from Cousins uh, over the course of the season and really over the course of his career is even the clock of just a football watcher. You have a clock in your head that you're going, get rid of it, get rid of it. And he ends up 
taking a sack or not getting to that read. There was a third down where his check down to Latavius Murray was wide open and he could have gotten whatever five yards. There was a shallow crossing route one time and it was there. And, mm-hmm. you know, versus zone, you got to let them get there. Do they usually hook up versus zone? Uh, and he was there. And then, you know, Kirk moved on from him. I'm like, man, get the ball out of your hand. You know, the longer I, I think, you know, Kirk Cousins needs to play the hot potato game. That ball gets in his hand. He needs to find somebody to get it to and get it to now. And I understand you want to take shots and throw a ball on the field. You have your reads. Get the ball out of your hand. You know, get in the hand of your playmakers. Get to Stephon Diggs' hand. Good things just seem to happen. Uh, get in Dalvin Cook's hands and, instead of always trying to push the ball down the field. So I guess the question is, in a performance like yesterday when the passing game was really putrid overall, I mean, the two interceptions, there's only 200 yards on 44 attempts. Why can't this football team run the football? What what was the difference in this year and last year? Other than the fact that Dalvin Cook has pretty much been healthy for most of the year and Latavius Murray is back. And, you know, they lost Jerk. I mean, Jerk McCann's a good player, but he wasn't that good. That They all of a sudden just can't rush the football. You know, so, this is not a vastly different offensive line. That's that's the shocker. The shocker is they can't run the football or they're not trying to run the football or it's not designed well or it's not coached well or the players aren't good all of a sudden. And it's forcing them to have to throw the ball deep. And they're in third long situations. And just terrible things happen to this offense in third long situations. Yeah, three times yesterday they were in at least third and 16 or more, uh, which is is just not going to work out for anybody. That's not going to work out for Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Now, I I think what you're you're getting at here is a number of different issues that sort of point back to one person, and that's the offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, that going into Green Bay, we talked about all these potential solutions for the issues and the poor game plan in Chicago, and they did them. They did, it's like they listened to our podcast and they did the things we said. They threw a swing screen to Delvin Cook and they ran to the outside and they used some, just some simple things, uh, little, you know, slant and flat combinations, like little, you know, simple things that work. And then Sage, it seemed like they went completely against all the things that succeeded last week and they run the ball for nine yards a carry almost with Delvin Cook, nine rushes for 84 yards, but completely get away from that. And I think, the worst stat from yesterday is that Delvin Cook had 10 targets for 22 yards. Like, how does that happen? I mean, that, I mean, you have running backs in this league averaging 10 yards a catch, and this guy, who is unstoppable when he's got the ball in his hands, ends up with 22 yards? I mean, I think that like the heat is right back on the offensive coordinator here. So what's going to happen in this situation? I mean, how do you go into this game? Uh, about in the, it wasn't like the Vikings were behind by two touchdowns the entire game of playing catch-up. Right. Uh, to run the ball that successfully and to not run it that many times. How does Dalvin Cook go 9 for 84 uh, and they only can run it with him nine times? And, but, and I believe he had a couple runs that were called back that were 15 or 20 yards also. I'd have to go back and rewatch that. But I feel like there were a couple runs on some holds. Uh, that, you know, that, that, that were called back. I, I just don't understand it. You knew, you knew Belichick was going to do whatever he could to take away Stefan Diggs, uh, and Adam Thielen. And he held those guys in check. And you, you have to find other people to throw the football to. And, you know, the screens we've been talking about, not a lot of, didn't seem like a lot of play action or bootlegs yesterday. Mm-hmm. A lot of drop back pass, but it, it's, it's inexcusable 
for Dalvin Cook to go nine for 84. Yeah, and uh, to have only 22 yards receiving and not run screens. I mean, this is the thing is that it looked to me, Sage, like Belichick dictated everything to the offense, basically. Like, you're going to have to work around what we want you to do instead of doing what you do best, and that's throw quick screens to Delvin Cook. The other thing is that, you know, Kyle Rudolph, we talked about using Kyle Rudolph more often. And on a, a few occasions, it worked, you know, getting first downs on a third down and then at the end of the half getting him the ball. But when all is said and done, Sage, three passes in the direction of Kyle Rudolph and Aldrick Robinson had nine targets. Like, it, I mean, nothing against Aldrick Robinson, but he should end a game with like two, not nine. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kyle was, was, was three for three yesterday. Stefan Diggs five for five. Uh, it, so, so what's, what's the situation here with the offensive coordinators really what we're, you know, getting to the root of? We, you and I have sort of talked off air and we believe this is a big issue. And it, it was stated in the prep. This is not, this is one of those elephant in the room. This is not a secret, you know, type of, uh, situations going on right now in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Is Zimmer has made it, you know, fairly obvious. He said in his press conference yesterday, wasn't happy that, uh, they weren't running the football. Uh, you know, there's, there's talk about the offensive coordinator, DiFilippo, you know, looking to pad the stats, you know, an offensive coordinator throws for 300 yards in so many games. And, you know, I, I said it on this podcast, Adam Thielen setting all his records. That wasn't necessarily a good thing. You know, this is not a team that wins throwing the football for three hard yards every game. It's a bad strategy. It's not the way they're set up, and it's not the way this quarterback is. It's not the way this old line is. Uh, but they just continue to try to throw the ball way too much. Yeah, and they're just an average passing team. When you look at the quarterback rating, and this is your point about how statistics can fool you, that Cousins has a really good quarterback rating, and their quarterback rating is pretty high. But when you look a little deeper in the efficiency that they have, if you look at the yards per attempt or the adjusted yards per attempt for sacks and, and, and uh, interceptions and things like that, uh, they're average at absolute best. And when you sign Cousins and you put all these weapons around him, you would expect that they would be above average like they were last year with Case Keenum. I mean, you know, they, Pat Shermer was finding ways to get the playmakers the ball and to run the ball successfully. And it wasn't all, I mean, it's been blamed this year, the running the ball. It's been blamed entirely on game situation. Well, when you're down, you can't run and things like that. But, but yesterday, what's the excuse? I mean, it's 10 to 10 in the third quarter and you're still not handing it to the guy who's averaging nine yards a carry. I mean, give Delvin Cook the ball shouldn't be a complicated sort of theory here, right? <laughs> so here's the real situation where you get down to it is it's, we, we would, you and I would not be surprised. There's four games left. And there might be a playoff game. There may not be. Uh, that at the end of the year, this offensive coordinator is not here anymore. Yeah. Um, and I got nothing against the guy. That if you just look at the two things that are different between this offense last year and the offense this year, it's the quarterback and it's the coordinator. And that's really been the conversation since day one. All the skill position players are the same. Uh, I would think, if not better, you know, Aldrick Aldrick Robinson, by the way, great pickup. Great pickup. Uh, you've a random guy that Cousins had to work with in the past. He's done yeah, a nice job. But the difference is the coordinator, the quarterback. Now, the quarterback can't really get rid of them. That's just the way it goes. You know, he's under a three year deal. He's got to be here at least two of them, if not probably all three. 
so I, I could not imagine the offensive coordinator not being the guy to go at the end of the year. Um, and at the same time, by the way, Pat Shermer, they're liking him pretty, pretty good in New York right now. All right, Eli Manning is having his statistically the best year of his career. I know it sounds crazy. It but does sound has, crazy. <laughs> he has like a nice, his average quarterback rate in his career, Eli's 84. He has like a 96 quarterback rate right now. His average is 84. My average is 81. Eli was never a great stats guy. He was sort of a winner or a loser. He'd have terrible games. But he was a guy that could sort of navigate and win and a certain, you know, a certain type of team and a good defense and always had a good running game. Uh, but he sort of found ways to win for, 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 you know, for, for on the, on those hot years, you know, that, that he had, you know, but, uh, never got put, never a guy who put up great stats and, 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 you know, cousins puts up great stats, but does he know how to win those big games, those prime time games? Eli would win those prime time playoff run type games it seemed like and doesn't seem like Kirk Cousins wins those because he's never really done it before in his career so here's some some interesting numbers that will kind of blow your mind if you're a Vikings fan about the passing game that you're alluding to is the New York Giants are 12th in yards per attempt so that they've been pretty efficient the Denver Broncos are 21st with Case Keenum the Minnesota Vikings are 22nd the Vikings average every time Kirk Cousins drops back and throws the football they average less yardage than the Denver Broncos with Case Keenum. And that, that to me, I don't know if you point that uh, at Cousins so much as the offensive coordinator. And I wonder about, Sage, if they should have waited until they signed Kirk Cousins to get an offensive coordinator. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good question. You know, you know different quarterbacks uh, excel in different offenses and, he played, played pretty dang well in that sort of Kyle Shanahan system. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan's not available. Sean McVay's not available. Um, but, you know, is this, you know, I know it's, I know it's early, but, but I don't know what's going to happen with the Jets this year. Uh, but I do know this. Jeremy Bates, I believe, is a, is a very good coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's working with a rookie quarterback and, and what he did last year with Josh McCown. And he is a part of that tree. He's a part of that Shanahan McVay tree and maybe that would go really well uh with Kirk Cousins you know we're, we're talking three months from now well and that's I think the question that I have is just like should we be talking about the offseason already this team is not going anywhere yeah I'm so I mean I just I they've got they've given me nothing to believe that they're going somewhere um in the playoffs. I think they might get in the playoffs. I mean, they've got some very winnable games that we'll see Seattle this week. You know, I mean, that's another good opponent uh, who's playing really well right now. Uh, and obviously no one, almost nobody seems like wins in Seattle. And so it's going to be really interesting to see you know, where it goes, but I just don't see this team going to LA, going to new Orleans and beating anybody in the playoffs like that. So it just, yeah, that that's the thing. It sort of sounds like, you've resigned yourself to this team is just not going to get there. And I'm with you on that after seeing them lose again and again and again to very good teams. Is there a solution? Is there a, we thought that we found it last week with a lot of the different things that they did, but then they deviated from those one week later in new England. Is there a fix for John D. Filippo? I mean, does Mike Zimmer have to kind of, 
take over this offense in a way, even though he's not an offensive guy and just say, this is how we're going to play. And that's it. And if you don't like it, you can leave. Or I, I don't know, because that's I a saw... good question. I mean, you know, it, it'd be great to know what's going on. If, if anyone's having conversations with Kevin Stefanski right now, you tell me the difference between what, what Pat Shermer was doing and what's going on this year. Is it the offensive line? Is it these pass plays? Is it, you know, he doesn't call screens or he's not creative or, uh, you know, what, what, what's the difference? And, and if I'm the GM, he's one of the guys I talk to. And I talk to the players too. I talk to Kyle Rudolph or some of these guys. What's the difference between this year and last year? Well, How come this offense can't or doesn't or just look at the stats? I mean, maybe that's one of those things. I mean, that game, what a great stat. Nine carries for 84 yards. Nine carries Nine for carries. Dalvin Cook. And not a game you were the, getting blown out. He is the most explosive player on this football team. The most explosive player. Stephon Diggs, really good player. And I'm feeling really good player. Not explosive. This guy is explosive. He's a game changer, and he gets nine carries yesterday. So, Inexcusable. you know uh, Dave Campo, right? Former coach? Yes. Uh, Secondary he, coach, Cowboys head coach. He tweeted this. Well, it looks like Zimmer is not heeding my advice and making the same mistake I did when I was Dallas's head coach. When Norv Turner quit, I texted him and said, make sure you're doing exactly what you want done on offense or you'll be the next one out. It looks like he's on his way. Yikes. The Vikings are not going to fire Zimmer. No, no, no. That's but, not going to happen. The, but the fact that his former coach, Dave Campo, is saying that, I mean, it really tells us where we're at. With this offense, and I and I checked it. Um, well, last... who knows? By the way, who knows? By the way, what information he's getting? Uh, you know, I said old friends, old coaches, um, and you know that's that's the challenge. You know, what what, what can Zimmer do? He's a, that, that's the hard part about football. Some coaches are offensive guys, and some coaches are defensive guys, mm-hmm. and the great coaches, Belichick. Bill Parcells, uh, I think Landry was this way. Uh, they really understood both sides of the football mm-hmm. very well and how the whole thing worked. And Zimmer has always been completely hands off with the offense. It's almost been like a you know co head coach. Maybe we should hire uh, Mike McCarthy. Don't so. don't say that. Say do not say that. <laughs> I got that tweet yesterday. A, a four million dollar offensive coordinator. <laughs> I got the tweet yesterday of like, do you think we should hire McCarthy? Like, no. Have you been watching? Not as a head coach. Not as a head coach. But I mean, even well, the Green Bay offense. offense. Yeah, that's that, that too, right? Um, you know, you know, maybe it's uh, you know, we, we, I, I don't know. I know what the answer is. I know this: that watching that game, there became there was nothing more apparent to me that there's just not an understanding of how to run the football or the um, the stubbornness. Or the design to, you should be able to get twos and threes. You should be able to get twos and threes and then do some play action, uh, and get some quick game. Go empty. You know, when they're walking around like that, by the way, go empty. Mm-hmm. Get the ball out of your hands. That's the best thing to do. Then they can't walk around like that. They didn't do that yesterday. They stuck, they stuck in their same sort of formations. Nothing was very creative. They didn't go hurry up offense. And get the ball out and run a lot of plays and, and just get, you know, get completions. Um, they, there's just not much of an imagination. No one's ever like wide open, it seems like, you know, a lot of great plays, but yeah, it's just this offense is, 
it's not in a good spot. And I think what you said before, the efficiency of it, that's a really big thing. You know, an efficient offense, give me that over one that just puts up big numbers because it runs a lot of plays. Okay, so I want to draw a historical comparison here and see what you think of this this hot take. In December 10th, 2012. You know what happened December 10th, 2012? Any guesses? Um, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a needle in a haystack, but it'd be amazing if you guessed. Well, no. So that, so this is Joe Webb and Christian Ponder era. Okay. It's, I'm, I'm not referring to the Vikings, but what happened, oh, what oh, happened to that, that, that's what I mean. Um, no, but, but this is, this is a, a interesting historical parallel for like a what if for the Vikings here. December 10th, 2012, the Baltimore Ravens fired their offensive coordinator and promoted their quarterback coach, Jim Caldwell. They went on to win the Super Bowl that oh. year. And mm. December 10th is usually pretty late for firing your offensive coordinator. But what if the Vikings decided? It's, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Firing a coordinator at this, at this point of the season, if you have, say, a quarterback's coach, uh, and a good old line coach that the design that the play calls the names that that's just the language, but the person who's actually designing uh, and calling the plays, um, that's not a big, that's not a big change. You know, uh, you know, anyone can call plays. Mm-hmm. Some guys are good and some guys are bad. It seems like, you know, in this situation, we don't have a very good play caller. Is, is that, but is that, a, is that a completely crazy idea? I mean, it just seems like Zimmer after every game has a problem with what went on offensively and we've diagnosed the issues all, all year long. And it seems that, you know, the offensive line's not going to suddenly be good, but that the play caller is making them worse on a lot of occasions. So I don't think it's nuts to wonder. I mean, they changed offensive coordinators midseason before. If that could happen with Filippo and uh, Kevin Stefanski and maybe right or wrong here, because I, I kind of think as we look at it now that John Filippo was given this job because the Eagles beat the Vikings in the NFC championship, that Kevin Stefanski, having been around and coached so many different positions and worked with Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater to success, that he would have been the right guy for that job. And now it looks like they made a mistake there on a guy who was sort of a hot candidate because his team won and he kind of rode the coattails of Doug Peterson and Frank Reich. Yeah. Or, or maybe it is just Frank Reich for both of them. It's looking like, I yeah, mean, does, it could this be. Offense look, does this offense look like the offense of the Philadelphia Eagles last year? No, doesn't no, look it doesn't. like it to me. That offense was, was multidimensional. Uh, uh, they did, you know, they, they got the ball out into the receiver's hands. They did a lot of the, you know, the RPO type stuff. They did some play action. Um, you know, that was I don't know, that was a, I feel like a diff, different a difficult offense to defend, and I'm not seeing that offense in this Vikings offense this year. If that's what Mike Zimmer is hoping, I do know this: running the football cures if you can run it well. Cures all these third and fifteens and third and elevens and third nines and third and eights. Yeah, and they had what they have five third and eights or more in that football game. Yep, you just can't. Those are hard to get in the NFL. They're not hard to get in college, but they're really hard to get in the NFL. Defenses know how to play the sticks. Uh, they know how to, uh, you know, force you to check the ball down and rally to the football. And, uh, it's, it's, you got to stay out of those situations. You got to stay on path. And Gary Kubiak was, he would talk about it all the time. You know, first, first down, down to 10, you get two yards. That's okay. 
because you can live a second and eight. You can't live a second 14. Right. And the Vikings seem to get in way too many of those situations. Look up some of the second long situations. I know you're the stats guy. Uh, I'd love to see how many, you know, the second longs um, were, were occurring in that, in that game yesterday because it seemed like they were in that, you know, you're, you're, be, you're sort of behind the eight ball at that point and, and good things don't happen when you're in second long, third long. Well, yeah, they did start right off the game on the very first drive of second and 10 and then handing off for two yards. Second and 10 is statistically the worst time to ever hand off. Uh, now, if you're handing off on second and seven, second and five, you've got a pretty good chance. But if you're handing off on second and 10, you're usually getting three to four yards and setting yourself up for third and long, which is one of the worst things that that you can do. Uh, you know, I mean, your your intuition is right. I'm just looking through the the play by play here, and it's routinely second and long. I mean, the second drive, second and long. Cousins takes a sack, then it's third and seventeen, and there were three third downs of more than sixteen yards. It's just that that's just not gonna that's just not gonna work, right? Uh, when it comes to moving the offense down the field. And so, you know, I think, I think we've touched on all these different problems here and maybe even some potential solutions. So our solution, oh, you, you say straight up. Um, and I, and I hate doing this, right? Like, so this is like the thing that I've never comfortable with. I have never really gotten into of like, I think we need to make a change. Like, I think we both sort of feel if it was our opinion, if we're Rick Spielman today, I think you have to make some sort of change or, take over the play calling duties as the head coach i don't know uh but something has to change because I, that game just seemed inexcusable the dalvin cook thing which in which mike zimmer has talked about before not have the play calling they went from you know, one of the best running teams in the league to not even trying to run the football um somebody's got to take reins of that offense uh and call it the right way and maybe that's the new coordinator right now and, uh, you know, if you're in Zimmer's position, now you and I thought this team was nine and seven, ten and six from the beginning of the year, but that wasn't Mike Zimmer's expectation after what they did last season, right? So, uh, if he's looking at it now, he's not going, well, you know, we could go nine and nine, six and one, and maybe we'll get in, maybe we won't, depending on other teams. But I don't think that he thinks that way, right? I mean, he's only got so many seasons to coach here. And I, I think that some decisions this year have already sort of shown us that they're in a little bit of that panic mode. They did not have any patience whatsoever with their kicker when he missed three kicks earlier in the season, which, by the way, he's turned out to be a decent kicker this year. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It's Vikings and kickers. We're going to talk about kickers, by the way, because the current one's also struggling. Uh-huh. Sometimes if kickers keep struggling, it's not necessarily the kicker. It's the holder. Usually not the snapper. But the holder and I, the holder has seemed fine so far, but, um, sometimes what you can't like, what we all see is when they put it down and you see the laces turn into what the lace or not, but there's an actual spot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times guys will put it down and they miss the spot by two inches or three inches. That completely changes it changes everything for that kicker who's trying to be in almost a golf swing in the same exact spot every time. And you move it to an inch left or right on him. That completely changes things, and maybe the holder is not, you know, the best holder in the league. That is a, uh, you know, not all punters are good holders. That, that that's a fact. You know who probably the best holder on the team is? Kirk Cousins. It's a yeah. great holder. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, Tony Romo did it when he was a starter. It's not unprecedented. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are the chances of it getting hurt? I mean, come on. Sign Coy Detmer, I think. 
What's Koi Detmer up to? Did I call him Kai Detmer? Koi Detmer. Yeah, Kai. Kai Detmer. Well, I did bring up the idea of signing Kai Forbath. Like, the guy hits a 52-yarder in the playoffs to potentially win a game. <laughs> oh, that's another That's another, That's another. another guy that's different from this year to last year that I thought played pretty well last year. By the way. And by, by Case Keenum, skipped over him with the Kirk Cousins conversation and the coordinators, but Case Keenum, the Broncos are 6-6, six and six, playing really good football. They got a tiny little running back, and uh, they're going to have a, a, a shot of making the playoffs. And... Uh... Keenum has really rebounded in the second half of the year. And, that you know, that's what's crazy. This offense last year, I, I mean, we were so, like, not convinced throughout the whole season that Keenum w- was actually good uh, that we sort of ignored their statistics on the offensive and, and passing side, that they were one of the best and most efficient passing games last year in the entire NFL, which I think I would credit Pat Shermer, you know, more than Case Keenum for this. But you mentioned the escapability, the ability to – to keep plays going. Last year, there's a there's a really good stat called expected points uh, by Pro Football Reference that sort of gives you an overview of the your offense, defense. And the Vikings were sixth in it just behind the Saints last year. <laughs> that, I mean, if that factors in everything, your sacks, your turnovers, yards per attempt, everything. I mean, that, that really tells you a lot. And this year, they're 16th. They're just an average passing team with a quarterback that is paid well, well above average. And, you know, it just say just to put a bow on it, it just doesn't look like aside from making a change that there's a way out here because they fix a lot of the offensive issues and then go right back to doing the same things the very next week against a good team. It's just, I don't know what other way out there is for them, but I do think they have the talent to be a much better passing game than this. Well, yeah, they've got two great receivers. They really do. And and I, the, the third, the fourth guys and, you know, Treadwell's sort of inconsistent. Sometimes he makes some good plays, sometimes he doesn't. Obviously, that's a disappointing fact. But we've got two Pro Bowl-level receivers, if not just both Pro Bowlers on the roster. Um, our tight end, there's things he does well, and there's things he doesn't do well. By the way, unbelievable catch yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Kyle Rudolph. Unbelievable catch. I mean, that's maybe one of the better catches of the year to hold on to that football. They also had him out on, on outside running quick outs, which is interesting. I, I haven't seen Rudolph run too many of those. And they got that catch before they sort of fumbled it and they called it a catch. Um, but he does do certain things well. It's not usually sprinting down the field and trying to outrun people and run sluggo routes and things like that. But they got to find ways to get him the football. Uh, they got to find ways to get Dalvin Cook more on screens. Um, it just sort of seems like, you know, I've never. It's just so become so so blatantly apparent mm-hmm. that the the types of plays that are actually called in the game uh, don't be the scene the ones that give them a chance to be you know consistently successful. All right. On Wednesday, we'll look back at some of the things that they did a little closer because I'll have a chance to go through the tape, and then we will look at Russell Wilson and Seattle. Another good team. Not it's not a franchise that's been around a long time, but another good team for journeyman quarterback stage. Yes, uh, I would assume so. And one guy I do know well, Jim Zorn, not a journeyman quarterback, really. He's actually in the Ring of Honor in Seattle. Uh, Seneca Wallace, maybe. Ooh, Seneca, guy, Iowa State yeah. guy. You know? I was, uh, you know, Matt Flynn came to mind for his brief uh, time there, but I don't know if he ever actually played for them. Like, remember they signed him to the big contract, oh, yeah. and then Russ just took the job and never gave he it like back. Made, he, like, made as much money in my career in one signing bonus and never actually played. He's, I, I mean, him and Chase Daniel, 
He did play uh, in, he got into three games and threw nine passes as a Seahawk, but um, eh, Matt Flynn might fit the category here. Does have a shining moment. The six touchdown game. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> six, in the snow and I, oh, man. Who, with the Lions or the opponents? Uh, I'm trying yeah, to think. yeah, I believe so. I'm getting it right now. They're always the opponent when somebody throws six touchdown passes. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yep. Uh, I did watch that Bears game yesterday. It was a uh, line. The majority yes. of it. Um, they, they, uh, the, the, the Giants got unbelievably lucky at the end of that football game to not lose it. I mean, they, what a way, uh, unbelievable how they gave up 10 points in the last couple of minutes of the football game. I mean, terribly mismanaged. Not really by the head coach, just defensively. Uh, and also some, I think some bad defensive play calls. I just don't go. They, they did a couple third and ones and fourth and ones. They're trying to man up and Tariq Cohen just running by everybody. Safeties, linebackers, it didn't matter. And, uh, the Giants came out sort of lucky in overtime in that game yesterday. The, uh, that's a, that's like the Bears Achilles heel, isn't it? It's just like ma- managing games, closing out games. I'm not sure that they could do it. Even they left the door open five different times for the Vikings and the Vikings just didn't. Didn't win that game still, but I wonder if closing is going to be their issue. But yeah, I don't know. And, and you know, listen, Trubisky's a more uh, uh, explosive quarterback uh, than Chase Daniel was yesterday. Chase made some unbelievable throws. He really struggled a little bit to throw the football in that crappy weather. It was sort of rainy, sleety uh, type weather in Chicago, and and uh, you know, then had a couple turnovers there too. So. Uh, it's going to be the, it's going to be the Vikings and the Bears. This might be one of those years the division leader is a nine or 10 win year. And, you know, it's a, it's a couple of plays here. It's a couple of plays there. Right. All right. Well, uh, we'll get together Wednesday and, uh, we will break down the upcoming matchup that is huge now. Now it becomes kind of a make or break for the Vikings. So thanks, Sage. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.